Welcome back to the People's Tax Pod. I am your host, Vivian Liu. Today, I am joined by our panel, David Sorensen, Adam Poisner, and Phil Bliss. At the People's Tax page, we believe that America is plagued by three big issues. First is our growing inequality. Second is the tax system's role in exacerbating this inequality. And the third is how the tax code could be a solution to this problem. Smarter tax policy would ensure that the upper class pays its fair share of taxes, benefiting all Americans. We've spent the last few episodes breaking down each of these three issues, and our most recent episode covered potential reforms to the payroll, income, and corporate taxes. Today, we'll be breaking down a different, more innovative tax reform proposal, the progressive consumption tax. David, can you start us off by explaining what a progressive consumption tax is? Absolutely. We're talking about a progressive consumption tax, and that's going to be, that's in theory, in contrast to the progressive income tax that we have today. And so understanding how that varies and why that's beneficial requires us to break it into that progressive portion and that consumption portion. The really big key in the shift is that consumption portion, so I'm going to start there. A consumption tax in general is going to tax a person based on how much they spend or consume in a year rather than how much they earn in a year like the income tax does. Our first reaction to that is that it kind of seems like a sales tax. And in some ways it is like a sales tax, but in important ways it isn't. We aren't trying to tax someone when they spend their dollar or based on whether they're buying gas or, or you know a toy or whatever. What we're going to do with a consumption tax is we're going to take all of a person's income in a year, and then we're going to subtract out all of their savings and add in any debt. And what that gives us is it gives us a number that is the amount of money that they spend in a year. All of their income, if they save nothing and take no debt, then then that's their spending. If they save everything and they don't have to spend anything, then then all of it is savings and none of it is, is consumption. So that's basically how you get the consumption number. This number ultimately gives us how much money you spend. The other part, the other really important part of this tax is the progressive part. Progressive, like our current income tax, the more money you earn under our current income tax, then the higher tax rate you pay. And so similarly, under a consumption tax, the more money you spend in a year, the higher taxes you'll pay. This is a really, really important concept, and this is what makes the consumption tax a much more just, a much more rational proposal than lowering taxes across the board or maintaining the current income tax system. Because what it means is we can say, well, you know, the first $10,000, $20,000 a year you spend is money that you need to spend. It's money that goes towards your housing, your, your fuel, your food, maybe education, whatever. It's basics. Uh, and so we don't have to tax that or we can tax that at, at, a, at a very low rate. But then once you hit $20,000, you know, maybe from twenty dollars to $40,000, it's not the needs. It's not the, the core needs that you're spending money on, but it's not, you're not living large, you know, if you're spending $40,000 a year. And so we'll tax that, but we'll tax that at a low rate. After all, we do still need to fund the government. 
And then as we get as we get higher and higher consumption levels, we tax them at higher and higher rates. And so at the low levels, you can sort of see that playing out. But where it's really significant is at high levels of consumption, high levels of consumption where people currently have the benefit of buy, borrow, die and don't have to pay any taxes whatsoever. If we shift to a consumption tax model, then what will happen is if you spend a million dollars a year or, or even five or ten million dollars a year as people who are billionaires easily can without actually losing a cent in the sense that their money just grows on itself, then instead of being tax-free the way they, they are currently, we can tax you at, at whatever rates we want because you're going to be buying your you know, one-month-long luxury vacation in Europe or your you know, Bugatti or your yacht. You know, if you're spending $5 million, $10 million a year, you're not, you're not spending it on needs. You're spending it on, on gross, uh, excessive wants in many cases. And so that really is the other important part of it, that that progressive part where we tax you based on how much you spend in a year. And the more you spend in a year, the higher taxes you pay. If you choose to save your money, which is better for all of us, it's more responsible, it's better for your future self, then you'll pay less taxes. And so that's the basics of a progressive consumption tax. And that's the basic policy reasons as to why you'd want to do that. Thanks, David, for that really comprehensive explanation of the progressive consumption tax. So Adam, let's go to you. Now that David has laid the groundwork for how a progressive consumption tax operates, can you provide some insights on who precisely would be impacted by the sort of progressive consumption tax? Of course, Vivian. Obviously, when you have any tax change, it affects many different people and groups, and progressive consumption tax would affect basically everyone. Uh, given that this is a progressive consumption tax, it should be clear that it's designed to specifically tax wealthy people more, but it's important to talk about the effects for everyone else. I want to start by talking about how people with lower incomes would be affected by this switch. Looking at lower income groups, it's clear that they end up spending a majority of their income, so one might be worried that they would end up paying more taxes. This is not the case, as just like the current tax system, there would be brackets and the brackets would be set at a point as not to overtax poor individuals. In fact, in fact, it would be likely that the progressive consumption tax would be about the same for poorer individuals, if not even less than it currently is. Plus side to this type of consumption tax is the fact that due to the lower tax rate on, on these individuals, it may encourage saving, which these communities and poor people generally don't have the opportunity to do. Moving on to what I'm going to be calling the middle income earners, though you can think of this as kind of the middle class, even though it's a little little wider ranged. For the middle income earners, consumption tax would potentially alleviate the burden of currently holding up the tax system as they currently pay the majority of the income tax, uh, which is the majority of the federal revenue. Progressive spending tax would likely decrease the amount of taxes that middle income earners are currently paying. And this is a pretty big deal for the majority of Americans. Currently, the the middle income earners do have some propensity to save already. And this is currently generally in the form of their home. A switch to the consumption tax would also further incentivize them to invest in different types of assets and have more money for retirement, which is good for the individual as they'll have more money when they need it. And as a society, as greater investment uh, increases the amount of economic growth for our, our country. And this should overall help the middle income group significantly. 
Uh, finally, I want to discuss high earners and wealthy individuals. Uh, as we've discussed before, these groups are not the same. High earners are those with regular but large amounts of income versus the wealthy individuals who may not have any traditional income and therefore skirt around the individual income tax. High earners end up looking very close to the middle income earners, but they will actually end up paying more into the progressive consumption tax as they're more likely to spend their money as they have much more disposable income. And they'll probably spend it on more luxury goods, which end up being more expensive, which means they end up paying more into this process. Wealthy people, on the other hand, will be paying an exorbitantly larger amount than they currently are, as any amount over zero is a lot, but this is significant amount of their money that is able to be taxed, unlike the individual income tax. Currently, wealthy people spend vast sums of money uh, and pay little to no taxes, which is should kind of reverse. They should be spending less money uh, and paying higher taxes. The progressive consumption tax, unlike many of the other proposed taxes, uh, to tax wealthy individuals who are able to skirt around the in individual income tax is very effective as it's very hard to hide when you buy things or when you spend money as they just look at your accounts and the balance changes. And it's a very fair way. It's only taxing those who actually end up using the money in non-investment situations, which allows the government incentivize saving and investing and building the economy while not penalizing rich people for just the fact of being rich. Another major impact of the consumption tax would be uh, that it helps dissuade uh, the political spending of wealthy people, uh, which is very high. Currently, it's easy for wealthy people to pour exorbitant amounts of money into, into the political process, but pay zero money uh, either on the income side or on the spending side, uh, while the consumption tax would kind of force them to pay something at every step when they put any money into the political process. And I know Phil has a lot more to say on this topic, so I'll, I'll uh, kind of conclude up here. Uh, there are many more impacts that the consumption tax would have, but I hope this kind of gives a broad overview of what it'd look like for most people. Thanks, Adam. You know, that breakdown was super helpful. Uh, so, Phil, Adam has just clarified that a progressive consumption tax is mainly impacting high spenders not you know, low and middle income spenders. Now I'd like to continue this conversation about the impact of a progressive consumption tax on other demographics, namely business entities. How would the progressive consumption tax impact business spending and businesses in general? Hey Vivian, yeah, I think it's it's really easy for the name of this tax, you know, the progressive consumption tax, to sound like the kind of radically liberal agenda that you know, even if it's passed, it would be pretty unpopular. But even though it's a progressive tax, it's not really like a liberal or a conservative policy or idea. The consumption tax we're talking about is actually very business friendly because once again, it does not tax income. And really, this kind of makes it the ultimate tax, in my opinion, because it does a really good job at incentivizing good behavior and disincentivizing bad behavior. So I'll get into that. But first, uh, I want to say in an ideal tax world, we don't tax business income. And I remember our expert, Professor McCaffrey, told me that I think a year ago, and it was the it was it sounded very weird to me when he told me, but it makes sense. Tax policy wants businesses to do well. Even you know the big evil corporations and conglomerates we think of today, like Amazon, Walmart, GE, those companies make consumers' lives, normal people's lives better, and they you know they stimulate the economy. 
And in an ideal world, why would we inhibit any of that if the owners of these companies are going to be taxed on their earnings anyway? Well, in an ideal world, these companies would stick only to their business. They would not negatively impact the living conditions of individual people and would not create political influence for the sake of profit. But unfortunately, in the real world, many businesses operate more like individual people with values and political agendas, and they're taxed appropriately. So why am I mentioning this? Because a progressive consumption tax gets us a little closer to that, I think, that ideal world where companies are just companies. The progressive consumption tax does, again, not tax income nor business expenses. So any profit companies make will go absolutely untaxed if it's reinvested in that company. That means greater capital investment, improved capital goods, uh, greater labor productivity, you know, everyone benefits. And this could sound overwhelmingly theoretical and kind of crazy, uh, something only an extremely conservative business magnet uh, might want. Couldn't companies continue using tax cuts like this, like many did in the 2017 TCGA, to pay executives and shareholders even more. But we know that cannot happen because the progressive consumption tax would tax any luxurious spending by these individuals at higher rates than now. The progressive consumption tax creates a clear-cut, unambiguous incentive to maximize productivity of any business rather than the wealth of those who own or run it. Yeah, that's all very interesting. And I'm glad that you've clarified that a progressive consumption tax can actually be quite business friendly. And I I want to circle back to something you mentioned. Um, You mentioned that often businesses operate more like individual people with values and political agendas. On that note, do you have any additional thoughts on how a progressive consumption tax would impact political spending? Yeah, the progressive consumption tax has uh, a huge or would have a huge impact on political spending or more specifically lobbying because uh, lobbying, again, is is not a business expense. But at the same time, right now, it's used by businesses as an investment, you know, where they're looking for a return. And lobbying is an expensive investment. The world's five largest publicly owned oil and gas companies spend around $200 million a year on lobbying designed to control, delay, and block uh, blinding climate-motivated policy. But this incessant you know, use of lobbying by these companies implies that its, its marginal benefits exceed its costs. So a progressive consumption tax would increase that cost by heavily taxing high sums spent on lobbying. So take a company trying to spend $10 million a year on lobbying. Uh, that company would have to pay maybe double or at least you know, 5 to $8 million on taxes, depending on whatever rates are chosen, making lobbying a much more expensive investment. And there are really so many upsides to this. Most Americans, uh, for example, believe in climate change. That's a fact. Uh, But the U.S. government perpetually falls behind other countries in its endeavors against climate change. You know, we can attribute this failure at least a little bit to the oil and gas companies, you know, spending huge amounts of money lobbying to block climate change policies. But, you know, this is only about climate change. This is really about inhibiting corporate influence on politics and returning power to individual voters. Thanks, Phil. And thanks, everybody, for your really great insights on the progressive consumption tax and its implications. Of course, I do want to caveat our explanations by noting that there are still many issues that we won't be able to address. Uh, For example, this tax, if adopted, would require eliminating or at least modifying the existing universe of federal taxes 
And I'm sure you can imagine the extent of political resistance that would ensue. That being said, these issues shouldn't preclude us from trying the consumption tax. After all, the current tax system also has plenty of issues, which I am sure you have gathered after listening to our podcast. In any case, the version of the progressive consumption tax that you all have described would certainly go a long way in encouraging workforce participation, savings, and efficient asset management. So thanks again, everybody, for joining me today to discuss the ways in which the progressive consumption tax would ensure that the upper class pays its fair share of taxes, benefiting all Americans. Thanks also to Annie Yang, our PR slash marketing aficionado, for getting our message out there on our social media platforms. To our audience, thank you all for listening. This is actually our last episode of the season and also the last episode for David, Adam, and Phil, who are all graduating and going on to to do exciting things. At this point, I will pass the baton to them. Do you have any parting words for our listeners? I'll start. Yeah, I guess a a few parting words is that one of the things I've learned in my my time at the People's Tax Page and, and working with Professor McCaffrey is really how important tax policy is. It it, it seems boring, it seems inane, wonky, but the reality is it has a profound impact on the everyday lives of all Americans, uh, both in the sense that smart tax policy makes a difference for who can afford to live, and uh, in the sense that raising revenue means we can have a society, means we can have roads and schools and bridges, et cetera. And I think understanding just that taxes are a fundamental aspect of that and, and being smart about it and caring about it matters was my biggest takeaway. And I, and I would encourage all of us to do the same going forward. It's been a pleasure working on the People's Tax Pod for the last year and a half, and I've learned quite a bit in that time. I think the biggest takeaway has been, even though there are many issues with the current tax policy, there is so much that we can do fairly easily to help so many people. Having spent so much time talking about the issues, it's important that we remember things can change for the better, and that learning about the issues is just the first step in fixing them and making a better future. I'll miss working on the pod, but know I'm leaving it in good hands. Yeah, it's been a great year, and I want to thank you guys and the listeners for for, you know, all the fun that I've had, you know, learning and talking about tax policy. And I'm really excited to see where the people's tax page goes over the next few years and even further. If you have any questions, want to subscribe to our newsletter, or want to donate, you can head over to peoplestaxpage.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at People's Tax Page. As always, you can also rate and subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud at People's Tax Pod. Stay safe, and we will see you next season.